guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Jin. And I'm your co-host, Shane Carvalho. And Shane and I are super thrilled to have Diana Amon with us today. She is the Sphere of Influence Accelerator, but she's also, for those that have been following our podcast for a while, the one of the brain children, I guess, whatever term you want to use, that really <laughs> like kicked this idea off. Um, so Diana helps agents increase transactions through organic social media. She's been dubbed the organic queen. She's a fabulous social media influencer with 80,000 followers on TikTok, 75,000 on Instagram, 16,000 on YouTube, and many more. Yeah. And Diana loves teaching agents how to connect with people authentically, building that audience of loyal followers, and most importantly, then converting that audience into potential clients down the road. So Diana, with that, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you to both of you. Yeah, I, I didn't know what word to use. So brain ch child, I guess. I think I'm I think I'm feeling the, the godmother of the top producing zone podcast. I, I know, right? <laughs> that's that's what I'm feeling, like the godmother of the top producing zone podcast. I I feel like I was like at Hamilton, like I was in the room where it happened, like when we when we created this whole thing. So I feel I feel very honored to be here. I'm so glad that it's finally happening and we're finally taping and I'm Happy to be a guest here. <laughs> no, it is absolutely awesome. Um, so, Diana, I want to start with one thing because obviously, I guess in the introduction, I alluded to the fact that you are kind of royalty, um, getting your nickname, <laughs> the Organic Queen. Um, so, how how did that come about? Organic Queen. Oh my gosh! So, I am in a, a group with the other digital advertisers. We go to conferences. We get all the latest and greatest for our clients. Everyone's super like niched down. We've got like a Google ads expert. We've got a Facebook ads expert. We've got a LinkedIn expert. So we kind of rely on each other when one of our clients is having an issue. We kind of discuss it with each other and get advice. Um, but anyway, we were at a conference and I was kind of speaking to the group to just, you know, we were eating. Actually, we were eating in between the conference and we were just kind of talking at the table. Um, and I said something like, oh, my, I think my client should do this or, you know, whatever it was. And yeah. someone said, well, you know, Diana, you're the organic queen. So yeah, like you, you tell them like you, <laughs> of course. And I was like, I, I'm the organic queen, really? <laughs> and it was, it just kind of hit me. I was like, no, I, I, I guess so. I guess I know how to do organic social media. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, like uh, the best ideas come over food and lunch, I, I think. And right. then I think the second thing that's kind of an important takeaway for our audience there is, you know, make sure you kind of build out your your network and like form yes. partnerships with with people that have skill sets that may not necessarily be yours, right? So then you can kind of help each other. And it sounds like that's exactly what you got with your group. Correct. We've all we all bring something unique to the table, um, and we've all got our expertise. So kind of you know build yourself, know who your friends are, and build yourself a group of people who are experts at their respective field and. Um, you know, be there for them when they have questions for you and call upon them when you have questions for them. So it's really important. Absolutely. And so like organic social media, let's kind of get into that a little bit. Like, why do you feel like that's so important, especially for like real estate agents? Yeah, it, it's extremely important for the solo agent. So a lot of agents are, you know, you're going to go to these conferences and you're going to hear people talking. Um, and a lot of these presenters are alluding to things when you really break it down, it's because they've got a lot of advertising dollars. 
Um, and so, some, you know, I, I recently heard someone talking on a podcast about um, something that was very niche to Google advertising. And I thought, oh, my God, they can't no one can get on this level unless they're spending thousands and thousands of dollars just on Google ad Google itself within, you know, within that month. So I think for for solo agents, your marketing budget is also really stretched with all the startup costs and all the just the, the operating costs, not even startup, but operating costs of being an agent, right? Like you've got your you've got your business cards, you've got your network networking functions, you have to, you know, open house signs, like you that's your time. That's your, you know, you're bringing muffins to that open house. Like as a solo agent, you're constantly spending money. Um, and so anything that you can do organically is going to be the make it or break it in your business, I think, before you start paying for those lead generations. I think once you've got a, a, a robust, organic group of referrals, then you can certainly add to it by adding like a Zillow or something like that that you pay for. But I think you've got to be able to reach out to your sphere and get that referral business and then grow off that. And you've got to be able to tap that tap that fountain all the time. So I think that's why organic social media is super important to solo agents. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, as you know, that's, you know, my bread and butter on how I've ran my business. And, um, and it's interesting because with the newer agents that I've been mentoring, like I'm always hitting on, you know, you have to work your database and it's incredible how many of them only have their contacts like on their cell phone. Like a lot of, like a lot of people haven't even gotten them to like Google at least, you know, and then, People that say, oh, I only know 22 people and that's it. Like, you know, I don't buy it. You know, I try to remind them that there's other people they can connect with. But then I guess my next strategy to them is to go connect in their local market, like go meet five people a day. And um, I think because I'm really big on organic, I think I'm preaching organic before I ever go to like anything paid. Not really a big fan. Do you have a favorite like paid site that you send people to once they get through that? I mean, the next steps would be to do the Redfin Zillow stuff, but I'm a big proponent and do it, do it yourself organically first, because I think you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't pay to have a business. I think you have to have a business and then pay to sort of bolster it. Right. Because if you can't make it, if you can't make it just with, or, with organic or ha knowing referrals or um, then it's probably a sign that it's it's not going to work out right. So like tap tap that resource. And you said that like they only have their contacts in their phone. That's another thing is most people, most solo agents do not have their database cleaned up, right? They don't have their their CRM, which is a client resource manager, completely detailed. They don't have everyone in there. They don't have either their phone number or their email address, or they they have either one. So then social media becomes even more important because it's how you're typically connecting with everybody and how you're keeping up with people. So if you can at least do social media for the first six months while you're building up that database and getting everybody's information, that's even more important. You know, I was guilty of starting late in my career with my database. Like I didn't really start nurturing and, and classifying and grouping everything till like 2017. That's when I actually branded to the, uh, old oak tree here <laughs> that's when that all came into play was in uh 17 like six years ago but i've been in the business for so many years and um you know some of us like people that are you know top producers a lot of times like you're good at being out there selling doing all that but then it's there's like weaknesses right so i feel like for me my weakness was managing and really building the database properly i mean i've come a long way since but i try to tell new agents 
how valuable that is, right? Because then the stats are what? That you'll get about 10% in volume from your database every year. So if you have 500 person database, you should have like 50 leads pretty much like annually just working that. These days, I mean, there's so much, so many different platforms that somebody can get started with, right? Um, As they look to build out their social media organically. Um, What kind of tips would you have for people out there? that are like, well, I don't know. Like, should I start with TikTok? Should I start with Instagram? Like, what kind of content should I be doing? I'm sure there's like a thousand questions a minute racing through people's minds as they think about, you know, this pool that's this blob that's like social media. So like, you know, how, what recommend, what advice would you have for people out there? So the number one thing that I can tell you is use the platform that you are already using the most, where most of your people are following you or at least connecting on. So gener- it's usually generational. So most of my either boomer or Gen Xers are pre- primarily using Facebook. And guess what? Their sphere is primarily using Facebook. So no, I don't expect those clients to just like start a YouTube page and totally be successful with that, right? I'm like, no, no, yeah. start, start where you're already at or what you're already comfortable with. So if you're into Instagram, I know I'm into Instagram. That's one of my favorite platforms. And a lot of my friends are already on Instagram. And so that's the platform that I really focus my, my real estate content on because that's where they already are. Now, I do repurpose that content onto other platforms, but for me, it's unlikely it's unlikely that someone's going to through LinkedIn because yeah. I don't use it already. So the short answer is whichever one you're already on should be the lead. And then you can definitely repurpose content onto the other ones, like pick the, the you know, your second runner up or your third that, you know, that you know people on where you actually use Um, But this is this question is sort of the answer is ingrained into the there's a myth to break down that like you're just going to do really good content and you're going to post it and then leads are going to come to you. That is only (laughs) first. It's a myth. But second of all, it's only one aspect of how social media works. Right. So their lead flow comes from your engagement. It's very rare that someone's just going to watch your content and then just become a lead. The, that pipeline looks like there's an engagement step in there. And so not only do you have to create content, but you have to start engaging with people through social media as well. And so it's really hard to do that on a platform that you're not already used to, right? Like I never make LinkedIn connections. So for me to just like get on LinkedIn and start using it, not only as content, but also to engage with people, like I don't, I don't, it's not natural to me, so I don't do it. Okay. But you know, Instagram is, and I'm starting to use TikTok a lot more and I'm starting to use YouTube a lot more. And so that's, you know, that's the, the order that I go in. Um, but you always get what you put, you know, you get out of it, what you put in. So that means like I'm waking up and I'm spending dedicated hours on engaging with people back. So was your number one Instagram though? I mean, when you rolled in? Yes. I mean, Instagram is the thing that I've been on the longest. It's the one where most of my friends, my, my specific, I'm a millennial. I'm, a, I'm an elder millennial. I think I'm in that category. And most of my friends are on there and they use it pretty regularly. So that's how I engage with them. And I also, it's a difference between like reels and stories on, on that platform. So I, I use reels to gain a new audience, like to get my content out there to reach people that have never seen me, that have never engaged with my content. It's like, that's how they get to know me. 
And then once they're following me, I engage with them in stories. I'm like, I make, I, I have conversations with people and that's how I'm warming them up when they're like, they're reacting to the stories and then, and, or they're asking me a specific question about that story. And so that's part of like that whole, like how I'm making that pipeline from, you know, views to, to clients. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't spend enough time with my <laughs> stories. So <laughs> people aren't getting warmed up. <laughs> I gotta be better about that. I know you're good with that. We've been doing a lot more reels. You've seen the reels. Yeah. I love the reels. I love the reels. Definitely. I think it's funny because the last three, the last three leads that I've got to have come all from my stories. Like they may have watched a reel that I did, but then specifically I was talking on a subject, maybe not even real estate related, just my life related in a story. And then they'll message me and ask me a specific question. And the conversation will start there. And then lo and behold, we're having, you know, a, a, a real estate strategy session on zoom and we're taught and we're the first steps of, you know, let's have that conversation on how we want to get you that investment property. That's, that's, that's how it's gone for me. You know, it's interesting because like for me, I'm finally seeing results and it's interesting because like, you don't know who's watching you. Right. Right. Cause you, cause there's a lot of people that don't like do like or anything. So I've gotten a couple listings off of people that are like, we've been watching you. It's like, Ooh, wow. yeah. and then there's also been, and there's also been what's interesting, too, is that, you know, like you're top of mind, right? They're surfing social media and um, I'm getting texts like today. I've already gotten three or four messages because I was on a um, I got on Mike Shard's YouTube on interview yesterday. It, w- it went live yesterday. I've been getting nonstop like messages from people through Instagram. Oh, we love the YouTube interview and everything. And it's like then they're seeing clips of this on Instagram and it's like they're people are like either reconnecting or now you're top of mind and it's creating. So it's like, I see the power of it and um, I'm trying to be better about, you know, putting the energy into it. But it's interesting because uh, it's quite a discipline for people that do really like for you. I mean, look at to the length you've built and where you go. I mean, you even get compensated for it. Like how long has it taken you like with your Instagram account? How long has it taken you to get to where you're at or to a status where you're actually even getting compensated or getting, a consistent flow of leads. Yeah. So I've been on Instagram as an influencer since 2015. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I, I, that's when I started kind of taking it seriously and creating content as though I was a content creator and influencer, but I've been using it since probably 2010, like back in the old school when they only had like the filters, like you remember when it was just like, you had like, you had like nine options. Like, yeah, was, I'm, I'm it, not a, I'm not a millennial. So I do remember. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's taken to, to grow up an influencer business. It's taken me, you know, eight years since 2015. Um, and that's, but that's a different tract. I mean, I think when it comes to lead generation, it's just been me connecting with people on, cause that's a different thing, right? My clients don't want to be influencers and that's a whole separate business. But if you want, if you're an agent who truly wants lead generation, you just have to engage with people and talk about real estate. And I always, I always pull real estate into my real life. So I was talking about how I rented out one of my condos in Airbnb. I, I turned it into an Airbnb. Um, and so, you know, I, I tie that into like, I had the power to do that because we bought an investment property. This is why you take the opportunities you have. This is why it's so important to continue to invest in properties. Like this is, so I just like, I just 
weave whatever it is I'm doing. I also like, I got a new washing machine and I was, I was telling all my followers, like, I was so excited about this brand new washing machine because I found something that works and you wouldn't believe like people were hitting me up left and right. Like what, what, where was the link to that? Like, which one was that? I was thinking of buying a new washing machine. And then somebody ended up saying, well, yeah, cause we're moving. And then they were like, oh, could you help us? Like, so I just, you know, just it, being relatable and being engaged in with my audience and like being honest about my life, but tying it back to real estate really does help close that, like that loop. And I, and it was somebody that I would have expected that she would have mentioned to me that she was moving prior to that. But the washing machine was how we had that conversation. It is very interesting how sometimes like just when you're sharing about the things that you're experiencing on a daily, on a daily basis, right? Those are the things that kind of, to your point, like people can relate to really easily because we all kind of experience it to one degree, one degree or another, and they have something that they can react to. Like Shane and I, when we were doing reels, like one of the ones that <clears throat> kind of just ended up going off on its own without either of us even having a comment on it was when we were talking about the 49ers. Ah, love it. And then we posted it and it's like, yeah, it's a hot button topic, especially like when they were undefeated. And all of a sudden I like, I get these notifications on Instagram and I see literally people like commenting back and forth and like trash talking with each other. And Shane and I hadn't even chimed in yet, which was hilarious. That's that. That's the thing about viral, right? Is you just yeah. never know. But I think the more you can spark people to have their own conversations within the comment section, the better the that's that virality tool like what will whether or not your post is going to go viral is really a factor of how many people are going to be in the discussions like in the comment section i found that that's like the fastest way to get a ton of views i think on one i was doing a DIY like a do-it-yourself halloween decoration video uh -huh. and i got 13.8 million views on it and it was really wow. because I said the wrong, I said the wrong word. And so people in the comments, like it felt like everybody was correcting my one little like mistake. And then other people in the comments would, would be like, would be like arguing with each other about this. And so like that really helped the momentum, like go forward. I feel like you had your own uh, Taylor Swift moment there. Like when you said that, the, the one thing I think about is that one song where everybody thinks she's saying like Starbucks lovers and she's saying Starbucks lovers. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I said, for me, it was, I said, I said, uh, lightning. I said, oh, you're gonna, this is how it, that you get the thunder effect, but I meant lightning, but oh, I, okay. it was in the voiceover and I knew it, like, I knew that it was a mistake right when I did it, but I was like, I know that people are going to correct me and therefore comment more on it. And I was right. Like it ended up going, you know, mega viral. I think at one point, like Taylor Swift going to Travis, Travis Kelsey's first game, had like 8 million views and like their, my video had like 12 million. I was like, I have more views uh, right now than Taylor Swift. <laughs> like it was like, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I and, like, I think there's an, and I think there's an important lesson in there too. It's like, I mean, don't be afraid of like, even if you like see something, you feel like it might be a mistake. It could actually be the thing that ends up generating just a lot of traffic and a lot of views and a lot of just interaction for yes. you. Yeah. Yes. If it's relatable or it's semi-controversial. Now, I'm not saying that all agents should go out there and make controversial right. or even like political stuff. But if it's don't be afraid to express your opinion if it's well supported and don't be afraid to be challenged. Right. You want that. Like even if somebody flat out thinks you're wrong, as long as they're kind of respectfully engaging in a debate, all the better. So the more like, you know, good 
what's that saying? Like good press, like all press is good press. Like you just, you want just that needle to move. And then that's how the algorithm shares it to more and more people. So same with the cuteness factor. Like I did a video with my dogs and people were, found them really cute and were tagging each other. Like they were tagging their moms. They were tagging, they were tagging their significant others. And like, they were like, aren't they so cute? Or we should do this with our dogs or like, so people will have full side conversations in there. And like that, those are all the things that'll make it go like way beyond your control. So if you had said like, if that clip of that reel had been something semi-controversial about football, and then all of a sudden you had football fans in there debating, that would have given that whole thing the legs to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Shane, I think I'm, I'm hearing another idea for our own Instagram profiles. I think uh, you might have to, you know, have some reels with Cookie and then I'm going to have to bring Sesame into some of mine. We'll see how that works. <laughs> yeah, well, I talked to Diana last year about doing some kind of page or something for Cookie. I just never did anything with that. But she's, yeah, she would definitely get more likes than me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can incorporate the dogs into it. So I have a full page for my dogs because they're influencers. But those people trust and know me so well because they know how well I take care of my own dogs and they're into dogs. It's like a dog community that we end up talking a lot about real estate and side conversations. Like it goes down in the DMs. Like people DM me because they know I'm a real estate agent on top of that. And like, a lot of the lead flow really comes from the other source. So as long as you're, I mean, if you have one page, which is normal and you're a real estate agent, you can definitely incorporate what the things that, you know, are about you. Like if you have a dog that you love or you have, you know, anything, if you have a hobby of a niche hobby that nobody's into, incorporate that, talk about it. Other people will find it interesting and they will see you as a genuine person they can trust and work with. Yeah, no, absolutely. I started uh, incorporating uh, like all my foodie adventures and, you know, my love for wine and whiskey and yeah, those, I mean, people love engaging on that stuff. Um, especially when I try some of the more, um, create, not creative, but some of the weirder whiskeys out there, like one that tastes like peanut butter. Um, but no, I, I think it's a great point. It's like, I think, you know, like put yourself out there, like share your interests, share your hobbies, share your passions, share things that, you know, other people can kind of relate to. And that naturally over time will build that trust that you've established um, and then that'll then lead to additional conversations on the real estate side too. Well, I mean, all of this is hinged on the fact that you're getting in front of people. And so how the biggest question that I see is like, how, how do I get in front of people? Right. So we're yeah. like, we've been talking a lot about how to engage people and how to like kind of tease out the lead from your existing audience. But the, the main thing is, you know, how do I even get them to my page to then follow me, right? How do I get them to see my video? How do I, like, while this isn't a class on like how to go viral, there are definitely some, some things that you can do. Um, and I think for real estate agents, the, the biggest takeaway is you need to understand that people consume content online differently than they would interact with you. So mm -hmm. they consume content as though they have ADHD. Like they, they need it to be fast. They need it to be visually stimulating. They need to be audio stimulated. They need to know the result and they need to know why they're going to watch that video really quickly. Yeah. I mean, and think about, think about the demands on your own time, right? Like think about how you've got a work schedule, you've got meetings, you've got clients, you've got did I make that DMV appointment? Did I, when was the last time I got the car washed? Like all these adulting things that we have when you're taking a social media break, it's truly just a break. 
and like you're just scrolling quickly and something might pique your interest and you've got to realize within that first three seconds why you're going to watch that person's video, right? Are they going to introduce you to, um, to a new, uh, to a system? Are they going to show you how to house hack? Are they going to, what, whatever it is, like they got to get it to you fast and they've got to paint the picture really quickly with results. And I think that's the most powerful thing. If you can understand that, then when you start to create your own content, you'll create it much better. So then let's, let's, let's break that down a little bit. So what makes from your perspective, like what's worked for you in terms of like the structure of like an effective reel that you would post on social media? So Thank you. So I, the, the biggest thing is it's starting with the results. So I kind of work backwards, right? So the hook of the video is like something like, you know, the top three mistakes that I made when I set up my Airbnb. Yep. Or like, you know, or the the, num the number one thing to avoid when, you know, investing in your second home or like, you know, just whatever it is like that, that, that end result, like what I'm going to show you throughout this one minute video, this is give them the result right away to give them an incentive to keep watching, right? Paint that picture for them. Um, and then I think it all kind of flows after that. Like once you, once you've kind of established where you're going, you can get it in a one, two, three list or like the biggest reason why, and then you can kind of close out the video. It come, I think value can be really given that way. If you just give the result right away and then kind of get to that, the point. I found it curious, like the two examples that you gave, um, uh, for lack of a better term, like had more of a, like a negative spin on it, like the mistakes I made or the things I wish I, I didn't do. Like, do you feel like those type of statements tend to have high bet, bet, like more impact as a hook than maybe something with a positive spin on it? I don't like. Um, yeah. I mean, negative or positive. So you're just promising them. You're just promising them results. Like I think the, the two that I pulled out of the air happen to be negative, but you could also do that. You could say, you know, how I, how I invested in something with only $20,000 in the bank or how, how I grew, you know, now I have, now I have four different properties and I started with, you know, zero, like yep. how I went from, how I went from zero to a hundred K in appreciation and just what, you know, whatever it is. So it's just, I just, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's negative or positive. Remember we were talking about putting controversial things in there. Yep. So so that's okay if it's negative or it's okay if it's controversial, as long as it's very clear what that result is, right? So the result is that I'm going to show them how to avoid that mistake so that they can make more money, save time, save hassle, right? I'm the person that's going to show them how to do that. So that's why that video is structured the way it is. Got it. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Shane, I feel like I've talked for a long time. I, I, I the, the geeky engineer in me is like starting to like break all this down with 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 Diana. So, <laughs> yeah, my batteries are running low today. Coming back from being out of the country, I uh, yeah, you're like you had an extra cup of coffee or green tea or something because you're like I, I must have. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, obviously I'm familiar with Diana as well, just from what you know the work that we did do together and. Um, you know, for me, it's interesting because it's always been a good fit working, you know, talking about all these different things, as long as they relate to like, you know, sphere or your repeat clients and everything. Like, I know that, you know, we're kind of speaking to more what's familiar, what like our focus is. But then, you know, Diana, I do get people that are like big, like transactional people, right? They just want to get a bunch of leads. They don't really care about this whole building 
the connection and connecting with your audience. Like you coach a lot of agents in this. What would you say is the percentage that come at you with that approach? And what's the success like in that arena, right? Because for me, that's like, you would think the conversion rate would be a lot lower. Yeah, I mean, there the, you hit it on the head is conversion rate. So I t- I can tell them like right away, like that is a strategy that exists, right? Is I don't really want to build the connection. I just want to get as many leads. The answer to that is it's going to be very, very expensive. You are going to go through a huge advertising budget and you're going to have to hire someone to maintain and run those ads for you so you can get all those leads. And then what's your conversion rate going to be, right? So when you look at when you look at your certain your KPIs at the end of the year, whatever, it's like, okay, well, you've been spending 20K a month probably to get all those leads. And then of those leads, how many of them actually converted to a client or you know, even converted into a phone call? And then of those phone calls, how many of them turned into a consultation? And then of those, how many tr- turned into an actual transaction? The numbers are are going to be pretty low for that. So if you just instead reinvested that money on, you know, actually building a community around you and getting referrals off those, like you could save more ad dollars in that, right? And some people don't even have the option to go to do that, but you know, it's a strategy. But I mean, what kind of community can you build though? Like, what kind of following do you achieve when you're just hitting a bunch of, you know what I mean? That's yeah. I mean, I I know it's a way, just like you said, and I don't try to shut that down. It just, I know that I've been doing this for a long time. So I guess I'm kind of set in my ways as far as like this direction. But what's interesting and even to see, you know, senior millennials, you know, connecting like that. Well, because right, millennials just text. I don't get on the phone and talk and stuff. So it's, you know, it's great to see that there are millennials that do still believe in real human connection and that we're not completely going to that direction. Right. Because I mean they keep bringing up, you know, AI and, you know, we're going to be eliminated and everything else, but it's like, you're clearly proving generationally that that's not so you're just taking the tools, the more modern tools and the access and continuing to build what's always been done in business for centuries. And it's building connection, just using modern methods to be more efficient with your timing. There you go. But a lot of people, a lot of people feel like, you know, this is this transformation, like it's being pulled out of our hands, but it's not. You've got to know how, I mean, real estate is all about, it's a people business, right? People don't buy from brokerages or they don't, they're not contacting that huge brokerage. They're contacting the specific agent that they felt was that professional that could help them, right? That they had some sort of trust with, or they, they, you know, they met and thought I'm comfortable so people buy from people, right? So this is, you know, you've got to be in this business to want to serve people and want to build that community with them. Like I'm not, and I'm not saying that you have to be, you know, 100% best friends with all your clients. You have to have boundaries too, but that's what a true friendship is, right? A true community of people is people that support you and support your business boundaries. Like, you, you know, I don't, I'm not suggesting that every agent be there 24 or seven on your phone you know, at your clients back and call, right? You've got to have established boundaries and respect for your own business. But, you know, having a community of people that trust you will will allow you to do that. They'll they'll respect you more when they do work with you. Well, I um totally lost my train of thought because that's 
I'll say you go, this is so funny though, right? Because I'm trying to be such a better listener and I'm paying attention to what you're saying. They have that thought, right? And I'm trying to hold on. This is lack of sleep. Go ahead, Michael Jen. I know you're antsy on the trigger there. No, I, I'm not. I'm just I'm just uh, finding finding your um, current state a little amusing today because uh, I don't see this very much. And usually I'm the one that's you know trying to cut in for a word. <laughs> No, yeah, well, that, enjoy your enjoy your time, Michael Jenny. I, I know I will. I will. I will fully enjoy my spotlight that's shining down on me right now. <laughs> uh, well, no, I I was gonna say a, a couple of things. I think one. Well, I prefer the term elder millennial over senior millennial. I love uh, that. Yeah, yeah, Shane. <laughs> what a freaking schmoozer! What a schmoozer! No, only oh because God, I am also in the elder millennial bucket. So you know, hey, yeah. I I can relate. Uh, <laughs> who is this guy today? What a schmoozer! <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm channeling my inner Shane. Yeah. How's that? We've done so many podcast episodes together. I'm channeling my wow. inner Shane. Next, wow. next yes. thing you know, I'll be selling ice to Eskimos. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and I'll be the one selling the green tea. I love it. There you go. <laughs> green tea. You guys. No, you don't understand. Michael has turned me on to some amazing tea. That's why I'm laughing, right? Because I'm Mister Salesman and stuff. This guy sent me some tea recently. It's probably the best tea I've ever had. And it, it's and, uh, green tea. It, it's got caffeine. No, it's uh, I no, mean, it's not. Blended I was just teasing tea. About the green tea. Uh, it's a it's a it's a brand called Buddha Teas, and it's I call it just sleepy tea. It's a it's a blend of tea that I take at night when I want to get a really good night's rest. Yeah, and it really helps me sleep. Um, and, and uh, my clearly, I didn't have it last night. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> I mean, send me that too. I'm always looking for something that's natural that's not going to make me groggy. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it's like I, I just want to fall asleep, but I don't want to be like dead the next day. It's like ugh. right, exactly, exactly. And yeah. So I've this is the nugget. Yeah. This is the nugget from the podcast today. It was the secret tea. <laughs> so I hope you listen to this point. Brought to you. You know what? We need to tag them. I know need to tag them. We do. We yes. do. <laughs> In a collaboration with them. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or streaming this on your podcast platform, if you could do us a favor, leave a comment down below and let us know where you're listening or watching the show from today. It greatly helps with the algorithm and helps us get reach out to more people who need or want to hear what we have to say. We greatly appreciate it. And now back to the show. The only other thing I was going to add, just kind of on the conversation earlier, I think this day and age, I think a lot of people are focused on the short-term gains, right? And yeah. so you kind of, you really, that, that shifts your mentality from, you know, building those relationships because you, a lot of people want to see like, Hey, you know, if I'm going to get into a deal, I want the transaction, let's just close it so I can make some money, but they don't really think about the long-term impact of it. And I think that's very short-sighted for not just real estate agents, but any kind of business that you run. I, I say this to, I, you're a hundred percent right. And I say it to both my coaching clients that are agents. And I also say it to my clients who are buying house, buying and selling houses from me. I say real estate is a long game. It's the long game. It's not a short game, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to build, I'm trying to help you get that property so that you can build generational wealth for your family. And it's like, yes, agent, I'm coaching you on how to build up a marketing system for yourself that isn't, you know, the, the one, the one size right now transaction it's to build up all of your systems so that you can work, put a, you know, put a certain amount of effort in, but you can always have that pipeline down the line. You have people that you're warming up so that six months from now you have transactions closing. So it's, yeah. a, it's a constant, like it's, it's just, it's a long play. I definitely stay 
I say, if you're in it for the short haul, or if you're in it for that, you know, that, that instant gratification or that paycheck, it's probably not the field for you. <laughs> no, definitely not. And Shane and I have had conversations about this on other podcasts. It's like, it's, it's one of the main reasons why, like in this type of market that we have today, like you see, you know, experienced agents like Shane, like dominating and growing their market share and other agents just, you know, dropping off. It's because yeah. they got so you and I would I would speculate, you know, one of the main drivers behind that is they got so used to like, hey, you know, I can literally walk down the street and, you know, I'll get like three right. buyers that I can work with. Right. Or whatever right. it is. And nowadays it's like, wait, you're telling me I actually have to work for something. <laughs> well, and it, it's not yeah, it's not that people don't want to work for it. It's just that they they're not used to having to, to structure it that way. Right. Like they're yep. they're used to just dealing with what you have in front of you. And when you work, when you own your own business, when you're a real estate agent, because you basically own your own business, it's much easier to just focus what's in front of you, but you do have to create that structure for yourself so that you're not always going crazy and burning yeah. the candle to the end. And I think it's yep. the same. I literally talk to my other, my clients like this, because so many people, investors too, will come to me and say, but I want that cash flow. And I'm like, again, it's a long-term play. If I can get you for 5% appreciation, 6% appreciation in a really tough market, you're going to want that over the cash flow or you know what i mean like at least break even and get the appreciation it's a, it's a, it's the long term play that i'm doing for you and then i you know i show them this is how i've done it this is how i've got the four properties that i have and like and then they they get it as soon as i get, paint that picture they're kind of like oh okay yeah no i i totally get that and i think one thing i want to dig in with you on a little more diana is i mean so i'm trying to i'm thinking about all the different hats that you wear Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, social media influencer, yeah. your realtor, you mentioned, you know, managing your short term rental Airbnb properties now. Right. Um, what's been a, and you've talked about, you know, like putting in place the, the, the systems and the structure to like grow your business, allow your business to scale. So how like what's been effective for you? How do you keep everything organized? How do you, you know, make sure you don't get you know, pulled into too many different things. How do you keep yourself organized? Basically, what tools, what systems work for you as you're continuing to grow, like everything that you're doing today? Oh my God. Thank you for asking me that. Yeah. So I think the, the biggest things that I'm passionate about are social media and real estate and, and dogs, but those, but those things all, I just found a way that they could connect with each other. Right. And so social media, I just love doing. So it's always been like natural to me. And then I, develop skills and strategies just from learning and doing and like trial and error. And I, you know, and it took me eight years, but that's how I can, that's how I did that. Yeah. In terms of setting up my business when I went, cause I didn't always own my own business, right? I worked for a brokerage. I worked, you know, on the manage, on the operation side. But when I came to do this for myself to like build up a coaching business and then a real estate business of clients, I put them into two different categories. And I talked like, we're talking about different things. Like I offer them different things. Um, and the tools that I've used to do that are, are, I don't know, Cal Calendly helps me a lot, Canva. Um, and then I have two separate data databases. Like your, my, we were talking about databases earlier. Those are your bread and butter, right? So using your KV core and having it up to date and having it tagged with everyone and having those anniversaries in there. Like if someone bought from you six months ago, you need to know that and I can't, you can't be searching for it. Like it needs to, like you need to program it so that when you get to your dashboard that morning, it says, oh, that person that you talked to three weeks ago, it might be, it's time for you to ping them again. 
So yeah. I try to keep it all out of working memory and put it into programmed memory so that I don't have to spend my day thinking of the things that I need to do. I log into a couple different places and it reminds me automatically of what I should be doing. So I do all the upfront work to make sure that everyone's in the database, everyone's tagged correctly. Like if there's, you know, if there's an agent client that I need to follow up with or whatever, like we had a session and, um, you know, I haven't heard for them or I wasn't able to close them. Or if, you know, there was a buyer that I was chatting with, that's just not ready. Like I'll tag them appropriately. And then I'll just go in and remember, oh, and what are the notes on that person? And like, okay, that's how I'm going to reach out to them. And, or I'm just going to send them a quick text or, you know. So yeah, that's definitely the way I've done it. <laughs> no, I, I love that tagging and like bucketing and kind of having that all set up at the, at the forefront. Like I, I use Airtable to kind of keep track of all my like business expenses too. And like oh, just yeah. getting that set up and making sure I have the right tags. Like when it comes to tax season or end of the year, it, I'm just like, I thank my, I thank my previous self, you know, yes. or I thank my past yes. self because it's like, it's so much easier when you have the tags to just go and be like, Oh, I want this tag and everything that you need just gets put out. Yes. And so like, I'm obsessive about it. Like if I have someone, like I have to put them in and I have to put the notes in right away and nothing can distract me from that one moment. Cause then I know it's programmed and the same thing with like, you know what, like your business expenses, right? Like I have, a, I have a list of that, but like, I know like if it's like the same thing with the calendar, I keep that really clean. Like I have my own little like boundaries where it's like everyone else can wait. I have to do these things right now so that I don't have to have it swirling around to remind myself to that. If, if I'm relying on my memory alone, it's going to get lost. It's totally going to get like, <laughs> no, I, I think we can all relate to that one. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to like kind of just emphasize or kind of dig into a little bit more? Yeah, I did. I wanted to dig into like, because a lot of the, the biggest question that I get from agents, right, is like, you know, how, how do you go viral? Like, what kind of content should I be? What kind of content? And I mm -hmm. think so we talked about understanding that everybody has ADHD, right? And like, or yeah. that's how they scroll, right? They have demands yep. on their time. But I think some real examples of that are like a real estate agent anything that you can take a value throughout your day, right? When you're working with a client, when you have to repeat yourself more than once or like, because real estate is a really complex process. And depending on which state you're in, you've got a lot of laws to comply with. Like it's, it's, it's something that can keep going and going and going. And not everybody knows everything. Every transaction, I learned something new. So yep. all of that is content that I can bring into the videos. So content should not be an agent's struggle, right? Like you, you should be able to identify like, oh, well, one client asked me that. And then another client asked me the same question or one client within the same transaction asked me the same question three times. I think I'm going to do a video on that. So knowing how to generate your video content topics that would be of value to people are really good. And the way I like to do that is like within a transaction, if someone's asking me the same question, I had a client that asked me three different times, like how to, Oh, he was, he, he was emailing the escrow office because in California we use escrow. He was emailing the escrow office like, how do I add my girlfriend to the title of this? And I was like, oh, yeah, like you're the only one on the loan. So like you can't add her on title. But like after it closes, like you can certainly transfer the title. But after it closes and like he didn't understand that. So he emailed escrow again and like and then a third time. And I was like, OK, he's just not getting it. So it's like this would be a great video to make is like how escrow works, how titles work, how the lending process like. So that's what I'm saying is like anytime something is continuously happening, 
you have value to bring and then you can formulate the, the topic from that. And then yep. it's the second thing that I get asked is, well, like, okay, now I have all this great topics. Like, how do I actually make that into a video? So start with the result and then work your way backwards. Like if you know that the result is you want to teach them this one thing, say that as the hook of the video and then take them through that journey and then give them a call to action at the end. And it's that simple. And you also talked about earlier kind of uh, about repurposing content. Like how, like, how do you go about doing that? And like kind of what's worked for you in terms of, you know, recycling, reusing, you know, maybe making a few edits here and there and then reposting and like how, what time frame do you typically, you know, let go by before you re recycle content potentially? Yeah. So great question. So repurposing should always be done on different times of the day or different platforms on different days. So I have about three to five pieces of content that I create uniquely every week, whether that be like a static post or a carousel or a video. And that's what I aim for is three to five pieces of unique content and on my main platform. So my main sphere is on Instagram. So that's going to be my main platform yep. that I would use. So I, I aim to create those three unique pieces of content per week. And sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't just, you know, just no one's perfect, but it happens. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I repurpose those on different days so that if somebody like Shane said, like they're engaging on YouTube or they, you know, they miss it. They maybe they're not scrolling on that Monday when you posted on Instagram, but they're scrolling on Thursday on LinkedIn. Right. So just use repurpose that on the different days. So I have this like repurposing like schedule, like, okay, if, if Monday, a piece of content goes out on Instagram, then it's going to go out on Wednesday uh, on a different platform. So I have that kind of repurposing content. And then I think the other thing that you're asking me is like how to optimize. So yeah. you don't always have to recreate the same, like all new content. Sometimes you can change the caption um, and repur and repurpose that. Like if you have a great, I did a, I did a, a video on, um, I'm trying to think of the last one that I did was on, um, HOAs because sometimes people, sometimes the budget in California, like, you know, you can, the first starter home that you can afford is in a condo and that comes with an HOA. And so many people don't want to deal with an HOA, but I was trying to tell people like, it's, it's going to be okay. It's not, you know, you can manage an HOA. And if you ever find yourself, this is the structure. Like if you ever find yourself in trouble, this is what to do. Yep. But anyway, like I don't have to like two months from now, I don't have to create a whole new video on HOAs. I could just grab that video and maybe put a new spin on the caption part and then re yeah. repost it. Right. So, I mean, and sometimes it's just a, just about putting a different spin on it within the caption portion or even just changing the hook or something like that. Um, so that the meat of the video is still valuable and it's still there, but you're just, you're maybe rephrasing it to get, someone in engaged. Uh, so I have a question. I mean, it's kind of along these lines, not to, you know, take you away from that if Michael has something else, but uh, what I was going to say though, is that um, obviously a lot of people post on multiple platforms and I could see recycling it on different platforms. Yeah. Um, there's opinions also for, cause some people will just share their same post through all their platforms at the same time, same day. Like what's your take on recycling and do you do it on the same day, like on different platforms? Like, is there yeah, a rule? Yeah, I would say don't do that because that de-incentivizes people to follow you on the multiple platforms, right? So if someone is following you on Facebook and you're posting the exact same thing on LinkedIn, well, then they're going to 
that de-incentivizes them to follow you on both, right? Because then they don't want to see the exact same thing twice on the same on the same platform. So if you switch it up different days, like it's still the same content, but it's at least different days of the week. Well, if they miss one, but they see it on a different one, well, that gives them incentive to follow you on that specific platform, right? And so that's how you're, that's how you're going to maximize, like you're like, okay, well, I have this many thousand followers on Instagram, but I also have this many on YouTube because people are incentivized because they want to catch that content. So if you're always just making it the same, then people are like, I, I don't need to see that twice, right? Like they're not going to like, they're not going to want to. So, well, but see the thing there, you know, what I was told was that, well, you know, it shows up different things show up for different people on different feeds. Right. But what you're saying is, you would still play the probabilities and not do it. Yeah, because I would say with with those types of non-video things, it's going to be mostly people that you're trying to re-engage anyway. And so I would re-engage them on different days. Got it. Yeah. And then do you, do you, so I mean, you obviously post some things like you'll reuse them on other platforms. Do you have a certain strategy or spacing them out or do you calendar them a certain way or? I mean, yeah. So I just, I create one piece of short form video a week. Well, at least I try. And then I repurpose that on, I first put it natively on the main platform. And I think natively is another thing too, because I think some business professionals and some agents go to these big mega conferences where they're like, oh, you just hire a virtual assistant and then the virtual, like you fire it up and then the virtual assistant will put it up. But like the reality is you can do that if you're running a huge real estate team. If you're just the solo agent, you're probably, if you don't have a VA, you're probably going to be doing your own social media content and the practice makes faster, right? The more you're practicing it, the better. And also the algorithm is going to reward you because it wants you to natively do it. So no, you don't have to have a third party go in and do it for you, or you don't have to schedule it in like a hoot suite, like save yourself the 20 bucks a month and just do it yourself natively. So pick like your top three platforms that you're actually, and it takes a lot of discipline to build out one platform. So to even build out two or three is a lot. So, I mean, if you, if you think that you're going to be the LinkedIn girl, like if then go for it, but make that be your main focus and definitely be doing that natively. Right. Like, or if you think, I mean, if your whole sphere is on Instagram, then do that. Um, or if, you know, if you're going to be a YouTube, if you're going to focus really hardcore on YouTube, then natively upload in that, in that form. But so I just natively upload on one and then I just calendar to natively upload the same video on a different date on a different platform. And I keep it to three for the real estate because I just I've never gotten a lead off. Like I would never got a lead off of Pinterest. So why would I like create that other platform? Yeah, just this is all for solo agents. Like if you're just your this is your bread and butter. This is yourself like you don't need to build it like you're building, you know, a 15 agent team, right? You're just doing this for you. <laughs> like, so, so just be really good at the things that you need to focus on and be laser focused. And I think that's the biggest takeaway, right? Is you can, you can do this if it's small and grow it to be bigger. And Dana, do you do your own editing for like your reels and like what, what programs do you like to use? Oh, absolutely. I definitely do. I, and I use, I use CapCut. It's my favorite it's such a versatile app. And what I find too is that as technology changes, the app will change, but I don't feel like it's changing. So I don't feel like I'm like, where's the button? Or like, like you just, it's kind of intuitive. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. you'll log into something and you're like, oh my God, like it changed. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I never feel that way with CapCut. Like I can go in and 
fix, I can video edit really quickly. And I would never pass that along to somebody else because it's certainly something that I can do. And obviously when I first started, it used to take me two hours to get an informational video out. Like it, 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 even for someone like I'd been creating dog content for years and I could go viral with the dog content. But when I started doing my own like real estate content, it took me forever to formulate a video, but now I can spit a video out in 15 minutes. So it's just, it's just that practicing of it. So the more you do, the better. So just, just put yourself out there and get faster and get faster with the tools and do it. How much do you delegate? Not, I'm not delegating a lot right now. I probably could scale at least my coaching business a lot more if I had an assistant, but I mean, I still want to run this. Like I'm a solo agent who's going to be doing all of my own lead generation and all of my own, um, you know, client servicing, like marketing and client servicing. So I, I like to keep it that small. I like to just be able to do it all myself. And I do. That's awesome. That's incredible to have like, that's, you know, the, the people skills, but then have the engineering skills on the backside. Cause that's, what's hard. A lot of us salespeople don't have those engineering skills on the backside. But I can, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is that as a solo agent, if you got just really good at making social media reels, right? If you got really good at making social media content that's valuable for people and you were bringing in enough leads and then you knew how to engage with them back to turn them into clients, you could do that for yourself. You could be your own marketing machine, but also your own client provider. And I think that's that's really valuable to like to figure that out, right? Like for yourself, because then your marketing depends on you, right? It doesn't depend on anybody else. It doesn't depend on the market. It just depends on how much effort you can. And you can have weeks where you don't do anything, right? Like I've taken a, you know, I've taken three week vacations where I didn't do any lead generation. I was, my businesses were still fine. And I think that's also important, like doing it yourself so that later on when you do potentially like look to grow your business and your team and you're bringing on other people, you already know exactly what it is that you want because you've done it yourself. Like oh. I, I experienced that with video editing, right? Like to your point, I, I was even, I was even worse than you. My first video editing on YouTube, I think it, I like, I would go a whole day and I wouldn't be able to get a video out, but then like slowly as I'm doing it, like to your point, it's a muscle that you continually like grow and build. And then you slowly kind of know, okay, like when I edit a video, this is what I want. This is the type of like, uh, this is the kind of transitions I like. This is how I like to do it. So then you do it enough. And later on, then you can teach somebody to implement the same thing as you're looking to scale. Oh, and thank you for saying that. It's so important because there's so many people that think like, well, I'll just bring on an assistant. Like I have a, I had an old, a, an older school agent that was like, I'll just bring on an assistant and they'll just do all the social media. And I was like, yes, you can. But like, unless you're in there editing or you're in there watching social media or participating, like it's going to be so much, it was so much harder for him to even figure out what content to produce yep. because he wasn't actively on it or, and he had never edited his own videos. So he didn't know that the cadence that he was doing, it was a little bit slower. So like, it is possible to do this on your own. Like it's, and then, like you said, you can delegate later on once you're at that point where you need to scale, but like you know, at first you definitely need to have that firsthand experience so that you can tell whoever you're bringing on to help you exactly what they need to do so that you can achieve the right results. Yeah, absolutely. And Shane, I was going to pipe in earlier. You now know two personable engineers, by the way, they both happen to be on this call. <laughs> the tech of the nerds. <laughs> You're talking yeah. to targeted nerds. <laughs> the thing was, I'm not like, but I'm not as smart as Michael. Like I, I may have studied electrical engineering, but like I got C's through, I mean, I barely like 
like C, like regular C's, not C, not even C pluses. Like I got, like, I was, I was horrible. I was horrible in school. And we both, we both got through that. That's the important part. <laughs> well, but that's the thing that's like, at the end of the day, you either got the degree or you didn't like, you know, I mean, they, you know, it doesn't, a GPA is a big deal while you're still in it. But once you're there, you're there. Yep. Well, it's just like, like, I mean, honestly, the thing too is like, for instance, like, and this is a side subject and we're out of time, but I was just going to say like, you know, for instance, a lot of people that are super into school that want to get as much education as they can, they'll jump right into master's programs without the actual business experience. And so I can't tell you how many master's people that have worked in my organization or worked with me and how like disappointed I was, you know, cause you always expect this whole, right? So it's like, I think that what you do with it and when you achieve it makes a big difference versus just having that piece of paper. And, you know, I think that for overachievers that maybe while you were getting your C's, you were also playing on the football team and the golf team and had three jobs, right? Like, so it's like you were getting the real world experience to go. So it's like, that's, I mean, I'm just saying I'm, I'm on, I'm on team C's, yeah. you know, and then, then if you did decide to get a master's degree, hopefully you went out and, you know, played in the field for a while so you could come back and actually have something, you know, with tangible experience that you could actually do something with. Yeah. So anyway, you guys are both nodding. Yes. Either you're trying to get rid of me and shut me up or you agree with me. No, I, no, I mean, I think this is a whole different, like, this is a it whole sidebar like conversation that maybe we should invite Diana to, but it's, I would love to dig into this more. It's like what they really should be teaching people in, in school. Yeah. Right? I, I would yeah. never, yeah. I'm never going to put myself in more debt to get a master's degree that I would never go back to the classroom to learn. I would learn it myself or hire a coach or, you know, someone in the real world that's actually doing it and then move on mm -hmm. from there. Yeah. Yep. I think it's a scam. Yeah, I'm big on that. The yep. student debt that I have right now is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> a third topic for. <laughs> <laughs> so Dana, we like to end with this one question um, yes. that we ask all our guests. So if you were starting a real estate production business today, knowing all that you know, like how would you go about starting it and what would you do? The, the biggest thing is that social media piece is identifying where most of my friends and family are already on, starting to build connection with them and then drop in real estate stuff and then just start producing real estate content like I know what I'm doing. And even before I had closed that first escrow, I had enough education and I had worked a lot that I knew, I knew a lot about certain topics. So that's what I would, you know, just fake it till you make it right. Like act like you're the resident expert and you still, whatever value you're bringing, I promise you there's someone out there who is like, Oh, I needed to hear that. I needed to know that. So just Thousands. don't doubt yourself. Get over yep. that imposter syndrome, feeling like you have nothing to bring to the table. Just go in guns blazing because you know you will work really hard. You're going to figure that out. You're going to have a mentor on the transaction. Like just go in and do it. Like <laughs> that's that's what I would do differently. No, I love that, and uh, we will definitely just uh, we'll end on that. That's a mic drop for the organic queen. So I love it. Uh, Diana, thank you so much for joining us today. It was just absolutely a pleasure to have you on the podcast that you helped start. Um, and just getting to, you know, just dig in with you a little bit more on just how to grow out a, a solid, like organic social media following. Um, and so we really enjoyed 
talking with you and appreciate the time that you spent with us today. Yeah. Thank you, Dana. This is great thank as usual. Guys. It's really, it's amazing to see the podcast, you know, where it's at today. So I'm honored to be a part of, uh, be a part of the conversation today and just see the whole show come together and see your guys' trajectory. It's been amazing. So thank you. All right. We'll catch you on the next episode of the top producing zone podcast. Thanks everyone. Thanks.